I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Hot Stuff coming through. I'm Paul Verhoeven and sitting across from me a billion miles away is my dad, John Verhoeven. Dad, how are you how are you doing today? Well, I'm I'm incredibly well. I'm I'm very very cold. I'm actually yeah. cold and I'm chilled to the bone because right. I was. Uh, well, you know what I was doing this morning. Everyone knows. Um, <laughs> and then I got home and uh, I had an option of having a hot shower. Yep. And washing my legs because you reckon I didn't. Yep. But I do. I don't think you do. But go on. And uh, <laughs> God. <laughs> but I decided just to sit here on this tiny little chair that is like a church pew. So one could almost assume that I've one could assume that I've assumed a monastic pose um, and just sort of similar to self-flagellating. Although you don't self-flagellate, do you? Because flagellating is actually whipping yourself. So you can take the self out of it. I think uh, I think in the Simpsons parlance, I would be saying dig up at this point, Dad. You mentioned that it's winter because um, mm, I have a cold shower every morning on the beach, sure, and I'll tell sure. you what, it was like raining ice cubes this morning. But it's cold. Like it's it's, it's very, supposed very, to be cold. It's very cold in Australia, and that kind of leads us neatly to our topic for today, or one of our topics for today, and that is that obviously in winter time in Australia, a lot of people are going to be trying to keep their houses warm, mm. and I think I'm, my assumption don't, would be. Can I just say you just said keep their houses warm? The houses don't need to be kept warm. It's the people inside that need to be kept warm. Yes, but to keep houses the pe- don't care. No, but to keep the people. To keep the people in the house warm, you need to warm the house, right? Do you agree with my point, though? I don't want to, but I'm sure I do. Listen, Thank you. what I'm trying to say is I'm, I'm assuming that as a firefighter, there would be a lot of extra hazards that would come up during winter because people are using you know, means to keep their houses warm. Um, do you have any advice for how to keep your like, house warm but also safe? And are there any common mistakes that people make with things like fire blankets, heaters, smoke detectors, etc.? You've opened up a Pandora's box, Paul. Good, good. <laughs> I've noticed you're very um, sort of keen to get me straight back on topic this morning. Yeah, you, I mean... You're not, you're not letting me uh, go places. There'll be time to go places once we're inside the oh, Pandora's great. box, okay, but just cool. not, not outside the confines of the box. All right, right. so look, what are, what are some of the most important things um, to the human being for survival? Uh, food? Correct. Um, uh... Uh, one, the next one perhaps starts with an S. S sl- H. Slappy showers. Shelter. Sh- shelter. Do you agree? Yeah, shelter's pretty important, I guess. Really important. Yeah. And uh, so food, shelter, keeping dry and keeping warm. If you're in a, 
a really hot country, trying to keep cool. Mm. But because we're talking about wintertime in Australia, which can get really cold, like yeah. at the moment in New South Wales, above 1,800 metres, it's snowing. I can feel it, um, even though I'm in Sydney. So let's look at the basics. Well, let's look at smoke detectors. So if you're uh, in deep sleep and the detector goes off, that, that's a, you know sort of a first warning. So have your um, smoke detectors checked regularly and make sure they've got batteries in them. And I know that they can be a bit annoying when you burn toast. And, you know, there are ways of triggering them and it can be annoying. And I've been into lots of places as a firefighter and also as as just a citizen. um, And some people tape them over or they just rip them. They get the shits and just reef them off the ceiling. How many times did you get to a fire and you found that someone had turned it off because it was annoying and that got them into trouble or killed them? Well, back in the 1980s, um, not a lot of people had smoke detectors. Right. Um, but smoke detectors, they uh, they work. Um, just burn some toast and see what happens. How then, do they work? But is, do they work on a visibility scale, like when, when they're kind of clouded by something? Or is it do they actually detect the particles in the air of, of the smoke? Uh, they, they work on the, um, the detection of the... Uh, the particle that breaks a uh, something or other. I know that doesn't sound very technical. You don't know, do you? Uh, I used to know. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the fact is, the fact of the matter, Paul, is that they either work or they don't work. And to work, you need a battery, okay. which is important. Okay. Unless you have someone that you are with, uh, like a share house, where someone just never sleeps. Can I read you something that I yep. just... Um... Okay, ionization type smoke alarms have a small amount of radioactive material between two electrically charged plates which ionizes the air and causes current to flow between the plates. When smoke enters the chamber, it disrupts the flow of the ions, thus reducing the flow of current and activating the alarm. Does that mean there's like a little nuclear like fission reactor sitting they on our roof? They technically are a nuclear device. Wow, that's crazy. And that's why you've got to be really careful when you dispose of them. Mm. There, are, there are ways and means. Sure. Uh, one way not to do it is just to put it in the bin. Right. Um, I'm sure does there that, are. Does that, mean you could, I mean, does that mean you couldn't carry a smoke alarm through, you know, the uh, customs at the airport because it would trigger some sort of... Not sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But look, there are various ways of heating oneself in winter. Mm. So there's obviously electricity yep. by way of uh, an electrical heater, which would tend to be a bit expensive. There are the, the oil heaters that are really nice um, and safe. Yeah. And then you've got gas. Now, gas is really efficient, um, relatively affordable. Yeah. But with gas and log fires, those fires, those methods of heating require, what do they require, Paul, to, to, to enable a flame? Uh, logs. Yeah. Uh, what if it's oxygen. gas? You need oxygen. oxygen. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So I am of the firm opinion that you should never go to sleep with a heater on. Yes, okay. Um, if it's electricity, it's it's going to be really expensive. Why not just get yourself a really nice extra blanket, maybe right. a doona or something? Well, because once your body heat generates the heat and you're under there with it, you're kind of fine, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you're sleeping with someone or even like one person or two people or three or however many people you want to sleep with, yeah. if you all get your bodies together and and sort of get close, you can generate warmth. Which is another, I guess that's a side topic, isn't it? I mean, you hear about people that uh, are in Antarctica in blizzards that to keep warm, they all hug hug each other. Right. Uh, there was that case where the person went to the toilet and their bottom stuck to an exhaust pipe. What or case? Or was it the bumper bar? 
It's a case in America. And the other person had to urinate on them to melt the... You know. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just giving you an example of extreme cold and how sometimes... Are you saying that you advocate wazzing on someone if they're cold? Is that what you're saying? Well, they'd have to be really cold. Right, right. Um, right. Okay, so carry a thermometer and have your fly ready to zip down. Is what yeah, you're but, you, but you know that cold, you know, skin does stick to really cold things. Yeah, frostbite's a real problem, I think. But I mean, when someone gets extremely, extremely cold, I'm guessing that they're probably likely to kind of, you know, uh, resort to some pretty weird ways to keep their houses warm, which I'm assuming sort of creates real problems in terms mm. of fire hazards, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, but the key that I was sort of, and I will get back on topic, as you know, because I sure. actually do. And thanks for getting me back on topic, as you always do, which is great. <laughs> Um, the thing about if you are going to have a gas heater or log fire burning, yeah. you must keep a window open. It needs that supply of oxygen. Okay. If you have everything closed up, and a lot of people do, and they go to bed with a fire, they often don't wake up because the fire has sucked up all the oxygen in the room and it might even get to the stage where it actually goes out. And the people are, are deceased. And then they no longer have to worry about the being hot or cold because they're dead. Sure. Um, and then I've been to a, quite a few cases where the people, that, that exact thing happened to them. And it's so hot inside the room that that then began to accelerate decomposition. And that's an interesting thing about decomposition. You can go to a particular incident where... The body or bodies are very, very badly decomposed. But what could have happened, because decomposition can often make you feel, it gives you a sense of how long ago the person died. Sure. But if they're in a really intense, hot, humid, muggy environment, the process of, um, what's that process? Decomposition. God, could I forget that? No, my my thoughts were racing ahead because I remember a friend of mine used to be involved with... um, identifying deceased people in... uh, He was involved with a tsunami up in Asia. Yeah. And these bodies were decomposing so quickly that after 24 hours, a relative could not identify a family member. Jesus, really? Mm. And here's a sad but interesting fact, and it's something that a lot of people don't think about. Yeah. But, you know, you think you can recognise... Uh, your loved ones when they're living, which is an obvious thing to say, mm. um, and I can recognise you when you're alive. Sure. Um, but uh, it sounds quite horrific, but if you were to uh, decompose in, for example, a tropical climate, yeah, um, you would become identifi- unidentifiable very, very quickly. That's why identification is so, so important in these major disasters. As opposed to Mount Erebus, uh, which we touched on, golly, probably a year ago, Mm. which was that terrible accident with Air New Zealand where they ran into the side of Mount Erebus. Now, I worked with uh, an embalmer, and he was involved in the embalming of those particular victims. But because they were frozen, they don't become unrecognisable. Okay. Because they're sort of frozen in time. Mm. But when we... uh, get into our next season i'll be having lots of stories you know along that vein great and back to the fires um you know so you've got gas and log burning anything that requires oxygen you must have 
window or door open. We sleep and always have slept with our doors open all, all year round. I mean, when you say doors open, what doors are you referring to? Front doors? What are you... Uh, the one going out onto the balcony in this particular situation with, with yeah, just okay. the wire door locked. Sure. Uh, because we just like to have that sensation of being freezing at night time. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So do you have any stories about people, you know, trying to keep themselves warm and things going horribly wrong? Yeah, this particular guy, you've heard of antifreeze, haven't you? Yes, I have. I have. And do you know what it's for? Uh, to stop things freezing. Yeah, like in your car. Oh, machinery and stuff like that. Yes, yeah, you put it yes. in your radiator. Well, if you didn't, well, just imagine what would happen. Well, you couldn't start your car because right. it'd be like an ice block inside the uh, the radiator. Right, okay. And have you ever seen antifreeze fluid? It's it's a really it's a it's sort of a weird luminous green color. Not quite no, sure why it is that, but it's quite distinctive. And uh, this guy in uh, in America, up in the mountains, he and he was a lateral thinker. You have to give him that. He figured that if he drank antifreeze on a regular basis, yeah, he uh, he wouldn't freeze. Is that amazing? And for What's... years, he drank antifreeze. Every winter. Did it work? Bloody oath it did. Uh, it, it ultimately, they're not sure whether that actually killed him, but when they did the post-mortem, he was basically, he'd basically, um, he'd, he'd substituted his blood, blood with antifreeze. Right. And they also found numerous canisters of antifreeze in his fridge, which is weird, keeping it cool. <laughs> and he used, to, uh, he used to down antifreeze and, I mean, anecdotally, it appeared to work. I don't want to sort of get everyone out there drinking antifreeze. Right, uh, but it, but the theory behind it is is fascinating, if not bizarre, and uh, one could deduce from that information that it probably did work, although it ult- ultimately killed him. So that's an extreme example of trying to keep warm and keep your power bills down, because I guess antifreeze is relatively cheap compared to. Uh, although he would have had access to a lot of trees up there, I imagine, which he could have chopped down. Should have just used anti trees. So, do you did you ever attend any fires where people had tried to keep warm and things just went really badly for them? You know, like whether it's a log fire that kind of like kept burning through the night or anything like that. I went to a um, particularly. I went to a few terrible accidents um, with electric blankets. Ah oh, shit! I mean, have you ever used an electric blanket? Uh, yes, I have. I, ha- I hate them. I actually they they bring back memories of. Oh, my grandmother's place. She always used to set this electric blanket so hot. You'd, I mean, they're unreal in insofar as you, your pillow's freezing. Yeah. Because Armadale, as we all know, is terribly cold in winter. Yeah. So cold that you never wanted to turn turn over on your pillow. Have you ever been that cold? I have, yeah. You turn the... over and the pillow's freezing. And this is Armadale in uh, New South Wales. Correct, yeah. yeah. And, um, but there have been quite a few cases where people have been uh, electrocuted. Um, because if there's a if there's a short mm. in the uh, electric blanket, and you have an accident with your bladder, yep, and you wet the bed, you're creating sort of a beautiful ground plane, highly conductive, and at some point, if the if the bed's faulty, mm. it can basically electrocute you. And uh, yeah, there are lots of situations with faulty electric uh, blankets. I'm not sure whether they even still sell electric blankets. Really. Um, do you think so? I don't recall seeing them. I know they sell a lot of beautiful dunas and things. Well, do you have any other safety tips for people kind of, you know, during the winter? Always have an exit plan. Always have a uh, an escape plan. Right. If you've got children without sort of 
try try and make it a fun event where you're pretending the house is burning down. I don't know, quite know how you can make that a fun event. Sure. Um, but let the kids know that if something happens, they um, if they wake up and they smell smoke, tell them to get into their mum and dad's room and wake them. And then everyone wake up and get down low and, and get the hell out of there. And don't think about If you have to have um, preparation, like a little box of mementos, that's okay. But in a fire situation, the, most, the main thing to think about is, is, is getting out of the house. Because yeah. once the fire gets hold, it, uh, it gets hold very, very quickly. And, and it's, uh, yeah, it's an experience that uh, you, know, you, you want to survive. And you, and, and you don't want to get burnt because being burnt, of course, is, uh, has lifelong problems. Is it odd that I don't remember having any fire safety imparted to me from you? Even That's though a really, you... really good question, Paul. And the reason you have no memory is that it never happened. So <laughs> I'm actually um, being extremely, uh, I wouldn't say hypocritical in talking about it. But, you know, it's like with builders. Um, sometimes you go into builders' houses and... They do a lot of great work for everyone else, but they're the last people to do their own work. Right. Um, and in this particular case, I, I um, freely admit that, uh, I, to my knowledge, we never ever discussed anything that you, I, we should have discussed. Mm. And here's me sort of talking about things that, um, you know, are good, good, sensible things to do. And, and, and I put my hands up and say we didn't. That is, I find that so strange. So yeah. why didn't you? Was it like you didn't want to deal with work stuff when you were at home? No, or? no, I never even thought about it. Really? Yeah. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I mean, I was always very cautious. Yeah. Um, I mean, it really is important to be uh, aware of these things, but not to sort of dwell on them. But I guess perhaps because I was dealing in emergency services all the time and you know, yeah. the fireys and the police and just everything, 20 years of just horrendous stuff, to come home and, and yeah, 
not really think about it. And funnily enough, quite often we used to live on the top floor, which I guess from an apartment's perspective is probably the worst place to live. For fire, yeah. For fire, Mm. particularly if the fire starts beneath you because it just wants to go up, up, up. But um, that's in, I find that interesting because it's, you know, the, the first encounter I actually had, the first proper resolution I had in exploration of the emergency services was not when I was growing up because I only really had peripheral memories. It was when I approached you about doing the book and when we started doing the podcast. I didn't really learn about your, you know, time in the fire brigade or the police force on, a, on an actual legitimate detailed level until we were both adults. Do you think that's odd? No. No, because you kids had... Um, we'd bring the fire engine to your schools. Um, really? Yeah, we, we did that for all of you kids. I do not remember that. Um, and, you know, we used to get you kids to... I mean, you, you'd come to the fire station, the police station, as young kids, and perhaps it just became a part of your... You know, you're thinking it was pretty normal. In fact, I'm sure I put you in a cell once. Yes, you mentioned that to me, and I don't. And um, probably wanted that. to leave you there because you were a bit of a delinquent as a young kid. No, you Was were I? joking. No, you were a lovely kid. Um, although you did occasionally kick holes in doors. I don't know. I, think I, did, re- that, I did that. Look, I think I did that once, and I was probably pretty. I, I don't really remember much from that period. I do remember once you had this weird exercise wheel. Um, oh yeah, I know, love that. Yeah, and I, I, there was paint lying around, and I basically went downstairs to the courtyard of the block of flats we lived in and painted, used it to kind of roll hieroglyphs mm. for, along about 10 meters of wall. Mm. Um, and I remember, um, I vaguely remember your reaction, but I also remember not knowing why I'd done it and not really having a kind of, I mean, what was it like for you being someone who was in emergency services and then having to effectively police a young boy at home? Like, did you find that difficult? No, because, uh, look, generally you kids were, were pretty pretty wonderful and we also you know the rule of we had no curfews for you kids yeah yeah yeah. and um we gave you a lot of you know a good free reign because we thought being not too strict was was the way to go yeah um and it worked spectacularly well for you and Anne. Mm. there's a pause there there is a pause yes Yes, because it absolutely wasn't the best for mark but um Hey, just, just quickly, I had somebody, someone hopped onto the Loose Units Facebook page, uh, the discussion group, and posted a photo of a father and son uh, in the police force who've actually just done their first shift together, I believe. And someone commented that that was you and me in a parallel universe. I know that listeners and readers of Loose Units are probably aware that I very briefly considered joining the police force and you talked me out of it, which is completely reasonable. But... Was there ever any point, I may have forgotten this, but was there ever any point at which I expressed to you a desire to become a firefighter? No. Do you think I would have been an okay firefighter? Yeah, you would have been okay. (laughs) But the thing is, Paul, um, I would never want to work with any of my relatives. Really? In any emergency service. I worked with uh, Christine when we first met and I put her life in danger on a number of occasions. Yeah, it's in the the book, actually. It's in the book, so... You know, if I was working with you as a police officer, um, uh, my paramount concern uh, would probably be, um, even if it was in the back of my mind, would be looking after your well-being. Yep. And that then creates a very dangerous situation because that's not what it's about. I mean, you obviously look out for your, your colleagues, but when there's that blood uh, relationship, um, I think that becomes problematic. Um, and there are fathers and sons in, 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 and fathers and daughters in all the emergency services and in the military. 
and I just think it's sensible to to have that s- separation. I'm sure when you when you're socialising, you can chat about your various experiences, but to work uh, would be I think that'd be terrible. That's my opinion, um, and there might be people out there that will want to want to or perhaps can can prove it wrong. But you know, it, these jobs are dangerous enough, and when you start mixing uh, family, I think that's a pretty dangerous concoction. Yeah. No, I don't. Um, I don't disagree. I mean, I don't disagree. No, no. The listeners may recall about when I was young. I used to go to the neighbour's house, and yeah. Do you want me to? Can I just mention a little aside to that? Hang on. Was this last? Was this last week where I had to basically cut the call off because you were talking about the graphic book you were looking at, and it yeah. was getting a bit graphic. Yeah, but you mentioned it though, didn't you? What this episode? No, in last episode. Yes, I did. So I, yeah, I mentioned that. But I mean, you mentioned to me off off mic that you had more to tell about that so just a little bit more yeah sure okay well i got a um i've got i've got this um emergency nurse and she works at a hospital i'll just that's all i'm saying she works at a hospital and she's and, she listens to the show yeah. and she loves the show and she's she's thrilled she's read the first book yep um can't wait for the second book and she sends me stories uh that she has encountered and the stories, I think we're up to six or seven stories so far. And are you allowed to share these stories? Uh, yeah, I could share them, but I'm only going to share one because she, the listeners may recall that I mentioned that person on their side with something sticking out of their, their bottom that I thought a, was a capsicum. A capsicum, yes. yes. Um, and then she wrote to me, she gave me a horrendous story in a similar genre, but she then had two questions, which I answered in point form first question she wrote was the photo post-mortem uh the answer to that was no in my opinion i mean i did have a medical opinion at seven or eight years old believe it or not and the second question was what was it and i've done a bit of research since and i have since found out that it was a prolapsed anus well i mean i guess i think i already knew that that's kind of why i I wanted people to avoid that because a prolapse is horrifying no i know it's creepy but that's what it was uh i mean as a seven or eight year old, I thought it was um, uh, a capsicum, which I thought was fair enough. But then, can I quickly tell her story? She um, she often, and and let's face it, in in emergency um, care, they quite often have situations where people have things, you know, stuck inside their bodies, mm-hmm. um, generally because they've been put there on purpose. Uh, and then there's that story I told you once about the Pavlova magic. Remember that story? What? Did I ever tell you a story about a Pavlova magic? No. Not a magic Pavlova. It's Pavlova magic, which is it's a sort of a. I don't know whether you can still buy them, but they used to be. They came in a plastic, like an egg. That's a plastic egg. Yes, I remember those. Yeah, and they were decent size. I think you'll agree. I mean, bigger than your fist, depending on how big you are. Right. Um. And one, a guy with all... Because inside were the contents. Like inside, you'd, you'd kind of crack open this plastic egg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like a kinder surprise on speed, doesn't it? Yeah. And, um, and then inside, you've got all, all the different ingredients and probably instructions. And, uh, but this guy, he, he, he had one inside him, in, inside his anus. And, um, 
And at hospital, they wanted to know. I don't know how we got involved, actually. <laughs> well, sorry, were you in the police force at this? Yeah, point? I was in the police force, and okay, okay. Yep. Maybe we were just in the emergency section in relation to something else, and one of the staff just thought we'd be interested in this particular story. Yeah, and she just had to say Pavlova magic, and my eyes lit up. Because um, you like Pavlova, or I love Pavlova. But I mean, did this ruin Pavlova for you? Because I no, think no, it's no, about to be the same for me. Or, no, because no. your sister makes a beautiful Pavlova. Tegan makes the best Pavlova I've ever had in my life. Well, it's- there you go. So you know, Tegan and Anne, it's not going to spoil the experience. <laughs> but this guy, yeah, yeah, he had a, an entire Pavlova magic. You know, he, but his excuse, this is the funny part of the story. And it's rather sweet and sad. And he must have just, he needed to have some reason to explain to the medical staff as to why he had this Pavlova magic up his ass. And his excuse was that it was just sitting on a chair, this Pavlova magic, and he happened to sit on the chair. But but it's a circle. It's It's not, it doesn't have a, it would roll away, surely. It's round. Well, you know what I mean. Like if it was, if it had a flat base, then it wouldn't move as he sat, and would therefore, you know, not slip away from his bottom. But mm. if he- but it could have also just, it could have been rolling around, and that at that very point in time, it was sort of standing upright. But even, but even if that's the case, you, then one has to look at um, what, what he was obviously walking around with no clothes on, because yeah. it would have had to have been a very open weave. Like knitted underpants for it to actually go through the the warp and the weft. Maybe it was like a it was like a crochet because yeah, a crochet, like a very you... loose crochet, crochet yeah. or even crochet loose crochet. Loose uh, but it also would have had to have been um, particularly well oiled. The egg, the egg would have to be oily or and stationary. The crochet weave would have to be very loose, and his aim would have to be incredible. Mm. Like you'd have and, to, you'd have to also sit down really fast. Yeah. Right? So if you can put all those things together and still believe in this whole thing, yeah. uh, believe in his story, because the yeah. facts are that they had to remove a Pavlova magic. Was but a, wouldn't it be funny if the Pavlova magic inside him actually split open and had have mysteriously mixed up and created a, like a tiny Pavlova? I mean, I wouldn't eat it, but. <laughs> Um, which reminds me you'd require heat to do that. And there is a bit of heat. Now, can there I is. just digress slightly for a sec? Because uh, yeah, it's quite we- fascinating. Mm-hmm. Because you, you recall we were sp- talking about spontaneous combustion. We were, yes. And it's pretty well been proven that it, it it's pretty impossible. Mm-hmm. Even though the, there are some very famous photographs of a pair of... We had that. We had, we had went through that whole thing about the feet and the, the head and nothing in between. And we had a bit of a laugh. Yep. But, Paul... My good friend this morning, we're chatting away, and he tells this story oh. that is, it's a winter story. Because I said, look, do you have any stories about fires in winter? And he worked up in Katoomba, and I'm not going to go into all the drama he had prior to actually putting the fire out, because that was a bit of a Keystone Cop thing, and I'm not going to go down that path. Um, but I will say that he went into this lady's room and the only thing that had caught on fire was her chest of drawers. And just prior to the chest of drawers catching on fire, the only thing she'd done was put her her washing that was immaculate from the dryer 
and she'd packed it nice and tightly into the chest of drawers. And my very good friend, who was the officer at the time, believes that there was enough heat within the clothing to cause it to ignite. Now, now tell me that's not amazing. And speak to any fiery, probably in the world, and chances are that fireys can tell you a story that at least one where they've been to a laundrette where clothing inside the tumble dryer mm. in the right circumstances can ignite. Isn't that amazing? That's bizarre. I mean, Tegan and I were walking past the um, the Botanic Gardens in Melbourne and there was a huge, huge, huge pile of bark, you know, like three metres high and it had smoke pouring out of it and we didn't realise that apparently the soil had heated up or something and mm. there was some sort of... Yes, fire. yes, that happens. So Generates that, amazing heat. How does that happen though? Just through um, organic processes. Right, generates so massive heat. That, that's a fact. But Paul, yeah. I need to come back very, very quickly to this lovely yard nurse told me, because that's I was talking about the Pavlova magic, which is yeah. a spherical item, mm -hmm. but she told me that they uh, had a woman and she had a um, snooker ball that she'd inserted into her rectum uh, and she was unable to get it out. And she, I mean, she didn't make out that it was an accident. I think that was a fair assumption that she'd done it on purpose. Right. From from the information I was given, I think it was only one ball. But this lovely nurse was telling me that when they extricated the ball, and, and rightfully so, but apparently the ball had been up there for months, which is bizarre. Yeah, I'm just wondering whether it actually was her rectum. Or whether it was the other part. but I guess the problem with having a snooker ball stuck in your butthole is that the person who has to extricate it only gets one go at it unless, of course, she potted the cue ball at the same time. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, she was snookered in that she had to actually... <laughs> she had to have it removed. I mean, she probably tried. But I have a feeling, a sneaky suspicion, and I'll probably be corrected and I'll let the viewers, listeners know next week. Mm. I It's... I'm just wondering actually where it was, but it had been up there for a long time. Yeah. But the point of the story is, and this is from a very professional nurse who works in ENR and has done so for a long time, is that mm. she just said the one thing she remembers about the entire incident was the appalling stench of the ball. Right. So there's a that's a note to end on. I think if that is a note to end on, that's I mean that's fantastic. I also hope that uh, the people going in to get it out. Uh, Chalked up the forceps first. Thank you for listening to another episode of Lu <laughs> Lucy Units. Hot stuff coming through. This was a weird episode, Dad. Did you have fun? I've I've enjoyed myself immensely, and yeah. we did have a lot of other things to discuss, but we'll do it on Friday. We'll do it on Friday um, because we are still doing our Loose Ends podcast. And if you haven't already done so, please go and grab your copy of Electric Blue, my sequel to Loose Units. It's available for pre-order right now. All you got to do is just you know just. Google it and do it. We'll see you on Friday for more Loose Units. Cheerio. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.